Support for This is the City is provided by Raw Materials. Voted Downtown LA's best art supply store, they provide digital prints, custom framing, and a wealth of other tools for your creative needs. Visit them online at rawmaterialsla.com. From downtown Los Angeles, this is The City, a podcast focusing on the politics, art, and culture of Los Angeles. I'm your host, Garen Kelsall. This week, we get a double dose of the arts with gallery owner and artist Nathan Cartwright. Wow, you can have your own gallery? Like, that's crazy, but... Also, Alex Schaefer gained a bit of infamy with his activity in 2011, and he joins us to tell us more about his story and style. Money is, can become like the greatest worry, and then you can't think about anything else. First up, let's visit with Alex Schaefer. In 2011, DTLA resident and artist Alex Schaefer drew a lot of attention when his plain air painting of a Chase Bank on fire drew the attention of a joint LAPD Homeland Security Task Force. Since then, his use of art as a social critique has only sharpened, including his arrest for a chalk drawing outside of a downtown bank location. We sat with Alex in his downtown loft to talk about his experience, style, and art in LA. I'm Alex Schaefer. I'm a Los Angeles uh, painter. Um, I was born in the 60s. I'm old but immature, so it seems like people think I'm young. Um, I, 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 I love to teach. I, I, was a, I was a teacher for a number of years at the Art Center College of Design in Pasadena, which is where I graduated from in 92. And um, at the moment, I'm not teaching. And for, because I just, I, I really want to finally get around to starting a, a studio school where it would be a working studio and it would be a painting school. You know, you teach classes three days a week, you organize figure drawing workshops, maybe you have little art shows and stuff like that. But it'd be a community painting school type of thing. That would be my dream. Um, because Art Center is too expensive. It's stupid. It's killing creativity. To get $200,000 in student loan debt and be holding a Bachelor's of Fine Art is pretty crazy, you know? And I really got pissed off and, and um, I felt crestfallen when I had a first term student and we're doing a final project where the sky's the limit, go for it, that you're probably not going to get another chance to, to do this for a while. Make something exciting and, you know, think of, well, this is the, like, the piece that you thought, oh, this is why I want to go to art school, you know. And so I work with them each week and, and the students are really active and, and working hard, you know, they, they, they don't end up doing the best because I can continue to encourage certain directions and and uh, you know point out where where things are going great and and uh, but I remember this first term student having all these thumbnail sketches and ideas and then she just said but I'm really worried like are any of these is this the type of work that I'm going to be able to make a living and pay off my student loan debt and she's like freaking out first term already compromising decisions based on, am I gonna be able to afford this? And I was like, oh fuck, they're killing creativity. And, and you know, just spontaneity. 
it's, it's like if, if money is your greatest worry, it's the, it, it, money is can become like the greatest worry, and then you can't think about anything else. Because like, oh shit, if I don't have money, I lose my house, I lose my, uh, I'm gonna lose my wife, I might lose my, you know, everything, and that really bummed me out. So the burning banks thing was like. Um, you know, the economic crisis happened in 08. By 2011, you know, um, I had been watching news and following the story and going, oh, well, they're saving the economy and bailouts and quantitative easing and all this stuff. And I just started getting more and more upset, you know. Um, and I guess it... It kind of manifested doing it as like one of these kind of, ah, fuck it, you know. Um, I'm just going to go out and paint this bank like it's on fire and I don't even care, you know. I mean, I'm not breaking the law. Um, but, yeah, I went I, I, and, I, and I chose Chase Bank because it just had the most interesting architecture, architecture. There's no particular beef I have against that bank. They all are terrible. But it wasn't until three weeks later that that I had these officers come to my house and I posted that that a friend of mine knows a guy at the LA Times who was like, Jesus, this is this that was crazy to have that kind of follow-up. And um, so then that's when it blew up. The LA Times wrote about it. It it was like I got interviewed on, you know, like InfoWars and you know, uh, Kaiser Report and RT and all this and you know, and all this was before Occupy. Um, I remember meeting a guy um, through the Hive Gallery who was a friend of Nathan's and apparently Chase Bank has a huge, their second biggest office is in Cleveland, Ohio, outside of uh, New York and they have a huge headquarters there in, in Ohio and Nathan's from Ohio and um, so then this guy was a friend of his and he came to the hive and Nathan's like Nathan knows what this guy does he was like a VP at, at JP Morgan Chase uh, Ohio headquarters and Nathan's like dude you gotta meet this guy Schaefer yes, he did these like burning bank paintings and the guy was like oh, you're kidding and he, and he comes up to me and he goes you have no idea dude I work at Chase they sent an email out to the entire global email list with like a profile on you and a picture and saying we do not know what this person's intentions are if they are a dangerous individual or whatever if you see them do not talk to them call the police and that was like a freak out email that they sent to just like the entire company Jesus so I guess you don't have a checking account at Chase oh no I mean <laughs> I never have <laughs> So talk to me about your style, your uh, outdoor focused okay. painter, you're very yeah. much plein air in your styling. How did that come about for you? Mm, it, you know, it was a long evolution. The, um, I was, I, I've always had a flair for kind of painterly painting, as they call it. More like, you know, like expressionistic. I like brush strokes. I'm not in being tight. I'm, I like to be loose. And um, <clears throat> it's a tougher sell, actually. You know, it's a lot easier for people with a lot of money to appreciate things that look time-consuming. Because to them, time is money. So if they look at some rendered painting, they were like, oh, that's worth it. You know, but then if they look at a... You know, like a beautiful expressionistic uh, painting that maybe took a couple hours to make. They're like, hey. they kind of blow it off. But um, 
so I always loved it. I was always good at it in school, going through school, and um, and uh, I. I I always enjoyed kind of humorous illustration as well. Like when I graduated art school, I, I made a children's book and then I fell into video games for 10 years about. Um, and it was during video games that I really got to just paint anything I wanted because I was making enough money. So I really started to explore all these things that I hated. And then I also remember reading this Willem de Kooning quote that kind of screwed me up for a while where he said, don't do what comes easy to you. <sighs> you know, I mean, why I would take take to heart something that like some grouchy old alcoholic artist, I mean, by I like his work. But so I was kind of like, huh. So I started doing really minimalist work. I started doing total just like Cy Twombly, splitter splatter, crazy stuff. Um, all sorts of bizarre things. And, but then it was, and then I kind of was like, I just let it go and was like, well, I am going to do what I like. And I am going to do what comes easy to me. Because it isn't easy for a lot of people. And um, so, you know, there, there's a market for plain air, too. I mean, it's people like landscapes. Especially now, people are becoming fascinated with downtown LA. And I'm doing well selling those pieces. Um, because there's so much focus on it, you know, and, and I, I'm doing paintings from corners where, you know, a year after I do the painting, some ugly ass uh, apartment building comes up and the view's gone forever. It's gone, man. We have to stare at that, you know, ugh. I guess if you can afford to live in that luxury condo and you can, you know, have a drink on the rooftop pool, you get to enjoy that view again. But Joe Blow standing on the street at 8th and Olive gets to look at concrete and a shitty, cheap-ass uh, sketch-up architecture building. Well. The art world is super fickle, and I have no idea. You know, the, there's been so many rude awakenings as you, you know, learn more about the art world. You know, that it is a meritocracy is totally false. It's not the Olympics. The best artist does not win. You know, becoming really good at rendering or composition or whatever, it means nothing. You know, it, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of, um, it's like a, what's the word? Like a, a celebrity, uh, it's almost like a game like a fame game kind of thing. Um, and so that was disappointing to learn, you know. I, it was disappointing to learn, you know, like most art magazines are just, they're fake, you know. <laughs> they're just writing, they're, they're like writing about their own shows and, you know, like, I won't name names, but there's a couple critics out there who, in panels and uh, you know like discussions and stuff like that, they're like, I don't write bad reviews anymore. I only write good reviews because no one wants to read bad reviews. So that means like a, you're never going to really get honest critique, you know. And then the uh, this other critic, I remember hearing them say. I write, uh, if you want something written about your work, it's five, it's a dollar a word, and it's 500 word minimum, 
and um, and then you will get a piece written by this person who has cachet in the art world. And um, I remember uh, I asked them, so would you, you know, what would you do if someone wanted you to write a piece about of, of work, a piece about work that you didn't like? Then they said, oh, I'd be busy. So they won't. It, it's not critique. So tell me about the Sixth Street event coming up. Oh yeah, that's going to be at Art Share in downtown, uh, in the old Arts District, like Third and Traction, uh, and you know they're they're tearing down the bridge, and they're building a new bridge. So everybody has fond memories, and it's kind of it's called Ode to the Bridge, and so a lot of artists um, all jumped on it when it got organized. Dale Youngman was one of the people putting that together, and it's opening this Friday. Uh, so come on out. I did a really nice uh, a plain air painting. Thank you so much for hanging out with us and chat. For more of the work of Alex Schaefer, visit our website. This is the city.net. This is the city supported by Raw Materials, now in their fourth annual Back to Whatever Super Sale. If you haven't experienced before, they spend the summer seeking out great deals to ease your transition from summer back to school, work, or whatever it is that you're doing next. And if you're looking for a little creative inspiration, be sure to participate in their Back to Whatever 30-Day Challenge, which even has prizes for some lucky winners at the end. For more, visit rawmaterialsla.com. At This Is The City, we strive to provide the story of downtown Los Angeles for all of our listeners, but we can't do it without you. If you enjoy our work, please consider donating on our website. It's easy to do via PayPal, and it helps us cover the costs of producing the show. You can also help others discover the show by sharing us on social media or leaving us a review in iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Earlier this year, we spoke with Daisuke Okamoto, a resident artist at Hive Gallery on Spring Street. We spoke about the great experiences he had growing and participating at the Emergent Space. We also have had the pleasure now to catch up with owner, curator, and artist Nathan Cartwright to learn more about the drive of art and culture in downtown LA. I'm Nathan Cartwright. I'm the owner of the Hive Gallery and Studios and an artist in downtown LA. And I met you briefly earlier this year because you were having an anniversary. I believe it was 10 years. Yeah, 10-year anniversary show. Yeah. How, was, how has it been for being a long gallery owner and artist in downtown LA over the past? It's kind of like being a kid growing up with another little brother and watching both grow at the same time, I guess. I was just a baby when I started here, and and I think downtown and the whole what's going on, it was just a baby when I started here. So so it's just, I'm hustling, but I think downtown is really hustling too, you know, so we're just growing together. So it's been interesting to watch the whole thing grow. Kind of earlier we were talking about you making the transition from being an artist to being an owner, and what was that like for you? as far as what it takes, you know, mindset-wise to kind of switch those gears when you got into it? Um, That is definitely a left-brain, right-brain endeavor. Running a business, you have to have a strong, rooted mindset. You know, you have to get to deal with the city. You have to deal with taxes, federal, state. You have to deal with licenses. You have to deal with a lot of stuff that's very real. 
so you can't be floating around fluttering in the way that I would capture ideas as an artist I float or float and flutter so it's a lot of changing gears um, and uh, it's hard. It's definitely <laughs> hard, but it's, I think somehow I was uh, gifted in being able to do both because I, I was, I actually, I was a science major to start in college. So I had kind of that rooted kind of tough side that could handle the reality stuff. And, um, but I just have always, I've been drawing since I was a little baby and my art side has been my love, my spirit. So, um, so both I, I just happen to have the two characteristics that work well to be a business owner and an artist and to be able to balance. And when you were making that move, why in downtown? I mean, I know where you are on Gallery Row, of course, but yeah. why, why was that the right move? Um, well, it's kind of a whole history there, to tell you the truth. It, a lot of things happened. So when I came here, I was just a, an artist. Uh, I left... Ohio, I decided I was sitting in the bathtub reading uh, Joseph Campbell, and he's like, you know, his big things follow your bliss, and I was like, I mean, I'm not one to just read something and be inspired, but it really did inspire me, because the things that he talks about are very deep, very, like, samurai deep, like, and uh, it hit me, you know, I knew that, I knew I had talent, so I was, I could either go to grad school, which I've been accepted to an uh, artist in Chicago, and had a grant to go there and stuff or I could just be an artist and I love camping and uh, stuff like that so I decided to go the crazy route I guess 11 years ago because the art walks 11 years I'm 10 years old so 11 years ago was the grand opening of the art walk and they wanted things to be happening uh, during that time although they were it was just kind of evolving there were little things sprouting here and there um, space one of the one of the guys who's supposed to have the space flaked and he knew that I could bring large numbers of people and music and art so gave me the rooftop of a parking lot we did this big show called the max which is what I did at hangar 1018 got known for that it opened up some doors and the next thing I know uh, you know he said that a space was opening up on Spring Street and wanted to know if I could have a gallery and I honestly I had never thought of thought of that in a million years I remember like totally art mode you know and, and making stuff and the idea I, I thought it was the coolest thing ever I was like wow you can have your own gallery <laughs> like that's crazy but I didn't even think I would have a gallery and then it got up, basically kind of was mentioned that it was available would I like to try to work that out and make it happen and so I said yes and then that's how that's the long story short of how I ended up in downtown as a gallery owner. I had no idea what the hell I had coming to me. And the way I run the hive, I am an artist that owns or runs the hive, so it allows me to have a quote unquote gallery, but I don't need I personally I'm not a gallery owner from gallery school or anything like that. I'm I'm an artist that has a gallery so I can run it in a more organic artistic way. Which I think is, you know, apparent to people who visit there. It's not your everyday run of the mill, like what you think of, like you said, as a gallery. Yeah. The, the hive is very aptly named because 
because you get that energy of a bunch of people working in there and that kind of like almost frenetic sometimes energy yeah. because there are so many personalities going on. Right. How, how do you kind of curate what gets in there? You know, what, what goes into that part of the brand? Well, curating, what, okay, there's two things that are going on at the Hive. There's the gallery, which is the art uh, I, I hang every month. That, that changes every month. And then there's studios. I actually curate, but, well, okay, let's say there's three. I'm sorry. So there's the gallery, there's studios, and then there's working studios. Working studios aren't seen. We have uh, a second level where artists actually work. Um, that, I'm just looking for people that want to make stuff. I'm not, I'm not looking fine-tooth and nail looking at their work for that. I just want people to have the energy and want to make art or make things. So that's that. Uh, but for downstairs, um, which is where you walk in and you actually see the hive, uh, there's the gallery part, which I do curate um, pretty strongly because I, I, I need it to look to the level of what my patrons and, and what I feel is ready to show. Um, it's, it can be very figurative, surreal, figurative. I mean, people call it lowbrow or pop surreal. People that are like comic book artists, illustrators for bands. Um, uh, I do look for kind of a, that style. I'm not really the abstract type gallery. Um, I'm looking more for art school kind of style, graffiti. Uh, people that can figures is a good start for me if you can if you draw a figure if you got the figurative down um and then i start looking for uh vision um so that's the first part that's the actual gallery and every month we have different themes so uh, i'm looking for artists that can make art from month to month they can make new work that are actual active artists and not just kind of sitting on a bunch of art that they did in art school and they just haven't made anything in three years uh, i want people to make art that are striving and struggling and sowing sowing the hun honey you know uh, so the second part are the studios i curate those as well but those those guys they run their own business out of my space so all the little nooks all the little honeycombs are artists that kind of run their business out of my business and you can buy directly from those guys um i'm not as it doesn't have to be pop surrealism or any you know theme that i'm going with for the month um it's more just uh, people that i think are pro you know people that actually have their their stuff together you know and, and uh i see that as a very good thing let's talk about some of your art too i want to make sure we cover that because yeah. gorgeous you know oh, I think you. you do a lot of very it's not flat none of your work i've seen is, is very flat it's all got a lot of depth and a lot of detail so tell me a little bit about your process when you're coming up with some of the things that you do about how you, uh, you create well uh i like to i mean when i'm doing sculpture usually there is an idea based out of it um uh, that i kind of build around but i do like the kind of freeing aspect of like i do a lot of drawing transfer drawings and turn them into sculptures um when i'm drawing i'm just free it's kind of like painting i don't know what i'm doing i just kind of i kind of dance with the painting and the drawing um but right now i'm doing a series for a show in tokyo where it's more about an idea the idea was i wanted to talk about the elements and kind of the wrathful side of the elements and create a context I, I wanted to do them in very small because i'm shipping them to tokyo small is more affordable and um but with my 
my style, I sculpt very tiny, so I want to put as much into as small of an area as possible. So, uh, with that, uh, it is still intuitive. I mean, when I jot down ideas about what I'm going to sculpt, it'll be very, it'll look pre-middle school, maybe elementary, it's like very, very raw. It's just to remember the idea that I want to have fire coming out of the, the dude's mouth or something, you know, like just something, you know, little nerdy ideas that I know I want to carry through, so I'll just kind of very rudimentally just kind of draw down. Um, but I use something called Super Sculpey and I use Magic Sculpt. I use a lot of found objects as my canvases. Um, right now, there's four kind of dishes that I got at thrift stores. Um, one of my uh, cousins in West Virginia, he's a picker, so they, you know, I'll go through his job, find some cool dishes. And That's really and awesome. Like that. Yeah, he, he's found some gems. Uh, I do have a robotic clown in my parents' house in Ohio that I haven't been able to ship over here yet. That is the freakiest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. But, uh, I'll be bringing that here, Tom. But I'll take that apart and I'll use the motors and I can use that with my work. Um, junk is my canvas and it makes down that's the cool thing about downtown too is just walking around finding junk in alleys and, and things that people leave out it's just it just makes every walk an adventure um but yeah there's four dishes on this one um air fire water lands and then each one has kind of this wrathful titan and the wrathful titan uh is kind of wreaking havoc on these little happy face kind of emoticon guys uh, that I put in a lot of my work called, I call the man. And the man is uh, the idea of kind of unactualized human existence. Kind of just walking with everyone, walking with the flow. It's kind of unindividualized self. Um, watching the same TV shows, watching the same thing, everyone. Not having your own sense of self is what the man is. So the man is usually being devoured by some big wrathful monster. Um, but I, did, I wanted to do that because it looked fun and it, the pieces are fun. Um, the, the, the fifth piece is going to be ether and ether is love. And that's kind of the binding element. And that element is kind of the, the end of the story. It's kind of a love story. And we have... October, I'm very, very excited about this show. It's called The Secret Art of Animators. And uh, it's curated by Josephine Huang and Stephen Holman. And uh, they're bringing animation directors and producers of TV and film to the hive and showing their personal art. So, you know, Adventure Time, all, the, all these different TV shows, uh, the directors are showing their personal art. Um, so that should be really good, really fun. Um, in November, it's our seventh annual sculpture show. It's kind of crazy. We've been doing a sculpture show for seven years at the Hive. Nice. So it's a lot of a lot of things to keep in your calendar, but uh, all fun, really fun things. Well, thank you, man, so much for hanging out with us. Nathan. We totally appreciate it. Uh, pleasure. Pleasure. Thanks so much. This is the city is looking for underwriting. If you're a service professional or business looking to reach our diverse and growing audience in downtown and beyond, contact us at thisisthecity.net or thisisthecitypodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for joining us this week on This is the City. Join us next time for more of the politics, art, and culture that make Los Angeles. Be sure to check out our other show, Eat Drink Podcast, for more insight on what to eat and drink when you're in downtown. 
This is the City is written and produced by me, Garen Kelsall, and my partner, Jonas Osnowski. Our theme music is by Taj Simmons. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. We're on Twitter at This is the City LA or on Facebook at facebook.com slash this is the city. Send us a message or leave a comment. Let us know what you think and what you want to hear on upcoming episodes. Until next time, be well.